Welcome to the Behind Their Business Podcast, the show that's peeling back the curtain and showing what's actually happening behind the scenes of running a business. I'm your host, Steph Blake, and each week you'll hear from women at all levels of business who are showcasing their stories of struggle and triumph as they juggle business ownership with day-to-day life. Join us to hear inspiring stories and strategies for starting and growing your own business. Hey everybody, Steph Blake here, and I am so glad that you are here for this week's episode. As usual, it is going to be amazing, so you are in for a treat. But before we dive into that episode, I want you to join our private and 100% free and supportive community for business owners to connect in called the Confident CEO Community. So if you have not joined us yet, here is your invitation to come and join us. Each week I also do a live training to share my best tips and tricks for scaling an online business the easy way. We talk about strategy, team building, mindset, tools, automation, and everything in between to help you confidently step into the CEO role in your business. So you can go to confidentceocommunity.com to join us today. And now let's dive in to this discussion with our incredible guest. Welcome back to the Behind Their Business podcast, or welcome to the show if this is your first time listening. Today, our amazing guest is going to be talking about the vicious cycle of unrealistic unrealistic expectations that we've set upon ourselves, myself included. So she's going to be talking about what happens when we overcommit, when we try to plan too many meals in our day, which is something that um, I know people do a lot of, or we just try to focus on being perfect. And then we end up setting ourselves up for failure. So she is also currently working a full-time job and launching her business, but she makes it, she's juggling all of the different things at once. So she has a lot of different things that she's going to be sharing with us. And in her business, our guest is a cooking coach and kitchen mentor, which I didn't even know existed. So I'm really excited to hear about this. And she helps to transform the mindset of her clients from seeing cooking and mealtime is stressful into an opportunity to create memories and foster connections, which I just love that so much. So please, please welcome Trisha Clark. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I am so glad that you are here. So let's just dive right in. Let's first start with your journey. So tell everybody where you got started and what made you decide to be a cooking coach and a kitchen mentor? I've never heard of this before. So I'm really excited to hear this story. Yeah, I, (laughs) um, so I have worked in corporate America my entire career and, um, you know, had kids and was juggling all the things with a full-time job and trying to get dinner on the table and, you know, all the busy stuff that we do. Um, and then, I discovered a love for cooking along the way, but had to figure out how to squeeze it all in and it not be this big, ugly monster that, you know, I'd come home and be throwing things around and trying to get one kid to stop crying and one kid do his homework and, you know, all the things. And then eventually started just entertaining and having people over for dinner. And along the way, um, just really fell in love with cooking and the connections that I would make at parties and around the table. And it really shifted my perspective about what mealtime could be versus what it had been. And then um, I, my mother sold Pampered Chef for many, many years. And so um, as I got older and we started cooking together some, and then I lost her six years ago. And um, every time, I'm so sorry. Um, so, so sorry. I 
was really missing her about a year later and was wanting a way to connect with her. And I thought, well, Pampered Chef might be the way to do it. And so I started selling Pampered Chef and I had been doing that for about four years, but I'd meet so amazing, so many amazing people and I could help them once with a new tool or a meal and try to make their lives easier. But I met so many people that look, dread cooking, hate cooking, um, all of those things. And I just felt like that one touch point, right? I'm raising that my hand right now because I am that person. <laughs> that one touch point wasn't enough to make as much of an impact as I wanted to make. But it was that and that connection with my mom that made me really think, okay, there's got to be a different way. And no matter what I hear, there's four reasons people hate to cook. But no matter what I hear, it still comes down to, in my opinion, mindset and boundaries or this fear of failure and this expectation to be perfect. And so um, as of September of last year, I didn't even know what an offer was or what I wanted my offer to be. Um, and I started working, I started really leaning into human design and really paying attention to my energy and the way I do things and, and really kind of um, at the age of 52, learning who I really am and what my gifts are and thought, oh, I think I know what I want to do with this. That is um, and so I've had some help along the way to, to form that, but that's kind of a long story, but that's, that's my journey is it's just evolved over time as I figured out what, what works for me. And seeing that that can help other people as I mentor my friends or I'm doing a pampered chef show or whatever the case may be, um, there's a way, there's a way to make it simpler and more enjoyable so that you're not dreading it. And that time then I could actually get to find out what happened in my kid's day, you know, and, and really taking advantage of that time and, and shifting that perspective has, has been a huge game changer. And it hasn't always been that way. My son is 18, my daughter's 22. But in the last few years, just really, really focusing on making that connection and that time and getting him in the kitchen with me. I love all of this. And I'm I'm jealous because I, I'm the person who hates cooking. And I mean, for me, this could be good market research for you. I don't know. But for me, I don't have the patience for cooking. I don't have the patience to put all the things together and then watch it cook and then eat it. And then it's gone and like, 10 minutes. <laughs> and then I have You're to go clean up the big mess the right things. Um, and so that's what I try to show people is that it, it doesn't have to be this big thing and it can be much simpler than, than what we make it out to be in our heads in this long drawn out process with 50 dishes. And you know, granted, I have every kitchen gadget in the world because I love them all. And I'm a foodie and a kitchen junkie, but you can do some really simple things in 15 to 30 minutes with minimal dishes. Like it really isn't what we what we've built it up to be, but so many of us have have watched unrealistic expectations. Whether it's I have a client whose mother is, um, I mean, basically a chef. Like everything she does is gourmet with 500 kitchen tools and a sous vide machine. And so watching her, that she just grew up thinking that's how you cook, that's what it's supposed to be like. And there's just no way I could ever do that. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm the exact opposite. My mom never cooked. We would okay. always eat out. So I feel like that's kind of where I got it from or eat out or she, I mean, she would make like a casserole yeah. here and there, but she was working and she got home at like seven at night and she didn't want to cook then. Like she'd been working since seven in the morning. So that's funny. Yeah. So my, I, um, my mom always cooked, but growing up, like, I don't think I ate my first green vegetable until I was in my twenties. Like I was such, such a picky eater. And so if it didn't come out of a box, a chef Boyardee can a kids cuisine or a mac and cheese, I wasn't touching it. 
at all. Oh, that's interesting. So do you have different strategies that you help parents with picky eaters? Like, um, as much as I can. Yes. I mean, you know, every family's different. Every kid is different, but I do try to work through strategies of really mixing up. Like, even if you're tired of cooking the same five things, um, how can we mix them up to add more nutrients to them, add different ingredients and kind of sort of baby step them into something else. Um, so it transforms, but it's not just this, you know, light switch of no, you're not going to eat that anymore. That's not realistic either. I've never been a fan of the clean your plate club, or you have to sit here until your food's gone. Like we've always had a two bite, uh, you can call it a no thank you helping or a three bite rule. Like I'll put whatever on your plate. You take three bites and if you still don't like it, then eat everything else that's on your plate. Or, you know, I just try to incorporate new foods and I try to help families with picky eaters. Um, sometimes it's successful. Sometimes it's not. Some of us are stubborn. Yeah, definitely. I, I get that. Luckily my son's only two and a half. He's almost three. So we've been okay so far. He's actually not as picky as, as I thought he would be. He loves fruits and vegetables. So I was like, that, awesome. that makes things very easy for us. But. I've also found with my kids that they go through cycles where they're willing to try everything and they love everything. And then two months later, they're like, no, I don't like that. And I'm like, but you did. And so I, we would go through these phases of, yes, I'll try anything. And I'm going to love everything you put in front of me to, I don't want to eat any of that. And it's hard to say whether it's a change in their taste or whether it's a change in attitude. Um, but, you know, I have seen these cycles where, where, it, where it changes and sometimes they're pickier than others for whatever, for whatever reason. And you just roll with it and adapt. Yeah. I have noticed that with my niece and nephew, they're a little bit older. They're eight. I can't remember ages eight and five or something like that. And they go through those waves that you were talking about. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely familiar with that. Um, let's talk a little bit about what life is like for you, because I know you're still in your nine to five, you're starting mm -hmm. this business and then you're, you're also doing pampered chef. It sounds like too. So that's kind of like two separate businesses. Yeah. So yeah. Can and you I want to open a bed and breakfast. So I've been researching oh all of that too. Like <laughs> I, I don't know how to sit still for one thing. That's a whole nother work in progress scenario, but but it sounds like all of these things that you want to do, they all merge really beautifully together. Thank so it, it sounds like it will work fantastic for you, but can you just kind of explain, I know that there's no such thing as a typical day, but if you could just kind of share what, um, like a typical week, let's, let's, let's yeah. break it down a little bit, what that kind of looks like for you. I know you said your kids are a little bit older, so I don't know if they're still yeah, at home I with mean, you or whatnot. So my son is still home with me into senior year in high school. So it's busy and he's involved in jazz and he's involved in orchestra. And, you know, so there's still their, their interest in the busy just changes as they get older. Right. Um, so there's still a lot going on with him, but I would say um, one of my biggest struggles is, has really been setting those, those office hours and creating a business around my life versus creating a life around my business. We are all um, about that here. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So, yes, and, yes. and I've had workaholic tendencies my entire life. Like, because when I jump in, I'm, I like to say I'm a recovering perfectionist. When I jump in, I'm all in and then I get burned out and I, then I just don't want to do anything and I become a potato. So I've really been focused on, you know, we all talk about time blocking and boundaries, but we talk about it repeatedly for a reason, like it's important. And so I've had to really set a schedule for myself. And so on my lunch hour, on my nine to five, if I get to take one, um, just cause it's, it's demanding and it's busy. Um, but I try to take 30 minutes of my lunch hour to 
you know, check in um, on social media and do some of that stuff. And then I set aside an hour every night after work to kind of rock out the rest of it. Um, and then for me, because my cook, my business is cooking, um, I'm recording content all the time because I'm cooking all the time. So I take pictures of everything I cook. I record videos of a lot of different nights that I'm cooking. And so um, I found a way to to incorporate that into my daily schedule so that it's not this big, oh my gosh, I've got to sit down and come up with content for an entire month or for an entire week. Um, Cause that's how I felt for a while. And so really figuring out how to incorporate just what I do every day into that has helped a ton. Um, and then I have time on Saturday and Sunday, like I don't take a full day off. I tried to do that about it doesn't work for me. Um, but I am lazy Saturday morning in bed with coffee and maybe breakfast, hanging out with the dogs and my husband. And I've got my lap and I'll bring out my laptop around nine or 10 in the morning. And my time block is from nine to one on Saturday and Sunday. And then from one on is family time or friend time. That's when I do everything else. And it's the, it, it, I've struggled with consistency because I keep building that back up that I have to do all of these things. Um, and it, it, I really don't, the more I step back and try to just do three things, I notice more traction. I notice more engagement when I'm not trying so hard. And that's been such a difficult lesson for me to learn. Oh yeah. That's something that I talk to people about all the time. I've been in this business for six years now. So I've made all of the mistakes that you could possibly make at one point or another. <laughs> but like you said, when you simplify, when you only do a couple of things, that's when you start to notice the results. Yeah. That's when you start to, and it's, it seems the exact opposite. Like you feel like if you're working 16 hours a day, you should have this multi-billion dollar business, right? right? But it's, yeah. it's actually no, the opposite. The exact opposite. I swear the harder I try, the more my money dries up. Yep. Every single time. So yep. interesting. I'm not, I, are you I, familiar I, with like the masculine and feminine energies at all? Um, a little bit. Yeah. Little so bit. that yeah. when um, things are flowing and they're feeling really good to you, that's your feminine energy. Yeah. So you're fully embracing that. So that's where we need to be. The masculine is like, go, 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 work, work, work all the time. So, well, and I'm conditioned being in corporate America for 20 plus years that I live in that masculine energy. And my full-time job is um, really more of an analyst. So I go all day being super analytical and I don't want to quite say structured, but like, this is the job ahead of me. And, you know, it's, it's a ton of analysis. And then to try to flip that switch to creative brain at the end of the day can be really tough. And so I know I'm the most creative in the morning. And so that's why Saturday, that's why taking Saturday or Sunday doesn't work for me off doesn't work for me because I'm most creative in the morning. And so Saturdays and Sundays are my time to really think and reflect and creative and brainstorm to carry me through the week. Because I know by six o'clock at night, I don't have the bandwidth to do anything else but cook dinner because that's my happy place. Yeah, for sure. I'm the same way after my cutoff is usually like 3 p.m. After 3 p.m. My brain is just it's it's fried. I, I, I can't think anymore. But yeah, similar to you, I was in corporate America for almost 13 years, something like that. Um, I feel like saying 10 years, but I feel like I've been saying 10 years for 10 years, too many years. <laughs> So it's more than 10 years at this point, but, uh, all right. So I want to talk a little bit more about this beautiful art form that you call this fellowship and sharing and meeting around the table. Like, 
you mentioned that this feels like a lost art form to you, which I think is is so beautiful. So can you share a little bit more about this and why you think that, I mean, I, I can imagine why you think it's important, but I want to hear it from your perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just going to go back to when my kids were little and, and running around and, um, you know, to be honest, like we have dinner together every night, but rarely do we all sit at the table. So I use the proverbial table. We may be sitting on the couch watching TV. I mean, I've found what works for us and how I can keep them engaged. And I don't care where that is. Um, and so, but I discovered that the difficult conversations that I had to have with them were much easier if we were around a meal, if we were around the table and we already had something that we were sharing, right? It was already communal. They already felt comfortable rather than when I would try to have a conversation in the car and that just came off, you know, uh, more of attack mode for either side. Um, Cause my kids would bring up the most inappropriate stuff in the car and this really uncomfortable conversations when I had nowhere to go, but we were on the way to school. Like, and <laughs> those scenarios just weren't working for me. Um, and so, and then I also just noticed with, I have a larger family and with every family, there's tension and crazy, and there's difficult conversations that need to be had. And I found we could have them around a meal more than we could over the phone or just sitting across from each other. There's something about that sharing of food. I think that that really brings part of that connection but I also really feel like um, there's a quote out there and I don't know who it's from, but called cooking is love made visible. And so for me, it is the ultimate act of service because if I serve you a meal, I've put all of my heart into that. And I just know you can feel it when we sit down and that changes the dynamic of everything that happens at that meal. That is so beautiful. Oh my goodness. I, I love that. And my family is, we do not eat together either we do not eat together either. Did I, does that yeah. make sense? Yes. <laughs> it sounded weird when it was coming out, but no, we're the type who, well, we have a two and a half year old and he, he won't eat with us. He needs to like eat on depending on when he wakes up. Yeah. It, he has a weird eating schedule, but then <laughs> yeah, it's totally different. So if we sit down at a table, he's usually like wanting to throw things off the table and get down. But, um, I'm usually sitting on the couch watching TV while I'm eating, which I know is like an absolute no, no, I shouldn't be doing that. My husband's usually at our counter. I don't in know our who said that's eating. a bad thing, but. Well, I know I overeat when I do it. Yeah. So that's probably why. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's the issue. But I, I think it's so great to, like you said, build that connection just around the table. Because you're right. When you have to have a difficult conversation with somebody doing it around the table, it, it feels so much more intimate. Then, like yeah. you said, like in a car ride, just like kind of staring over at another person where you could actually talk to them face to face and you're eating, which everybody loves to do. Right. Yeah. So it kind of eases, eases the tension a bit. Um, but I want to know for people like me who are already like, like I said, my brain is done by 3 p.m. The last <laughs> thing that I want to do is cook a meal because I don't even really enjoy doing it to begin with. And like I said, I have a two and a half year old running around that I have to take care of. What are some of your favorite tips that you can share for somebody who is in my situation? And I guess I'm kind of asking because I want to know the answer to that too. Um, start small and keep it simple. Don't try to plan seven. Like if you don't like to cook, don't try to plan seven meals to cook for over the night of the week. It's not realistic for you. Um, right. It's not realistic for anybody. I don't cook seven nights a week. We have one night, it's called fend for yourself. And we have one night a week that we eat out. 
Um, and then I cook like three or four nights a week. So like okay. give yourself some grace on what the, what the expectation is and where that expectation came from. But I would say, start small. Maybe it's one meal together a week. Right. And then that doesn't have to be a gourmet meal. It doesn't have to be anything all planned out. Stick with one pot, one pot meals, sheet pan meals with minimal ingredients. Um, and just keep them really basic because it's it's not really about cooking the best food. Um, I mean, one of my favorite things to cook and it'll get my son out of his room and in the kitchen with me every single time is grilled cheese. And we just mix it up. So I get him in there and like instead of grilled cheese, we might add bacon and apple to it. And all of a sudden it's a new dish and a new food and there's excitement around it again. But it took five more minutes, right? Um, so those are my, my biggest tips is keep it simple. And then my third one is get your kids involved in the kitchen. Doesn't have to be every time. And I know it can be excruciating until you get used to it. Um, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. And you can get your kids in the kitchen as young as three with different simple tasks. And I have some ideas on what those tasks are, you know, by, by age. And I have, um, several recipes that are, you know, less than 30 minutes, five or, you know, five to six ingredients. There's a lot of ways you can do it, but I hear from a lot of people that meal planning, like even knowing what to cook or where to start is the holdup. Um, and so I do have some recipe collections that I'm, I'm happy to share that really make that, um, make that part easier. Um, and then just keep your kitchen stocked with, with the basics that you know that they like so that meal planning doesn't have to be this long drawn out thing that you think takes hours, like literally pull together a meal plan on Sunday in 10 or 15 minutes and be like, this is what I'm cooking this week. Doesn't have yeah. to be, I'm going to eat this on Monday and eat this on Wednesday. It can be, I'm going to cook these two meals this week. I'm going to make sure I have those ingredients on hand and the nights that work for me, that's when I cook. That's yeah, my that's idea of meal planning. That's really helpful. Yeah. So I used to do all the meal planning by myself. My husband wouldn't get involved, but I have now forced him to help me with this oh, because yeah, I told him like my brain just gets too overwhelmed. Like you said, trying mm -hmm. to plan out all of the meals for the week. So I told him, I'm like, you plan out half the week. I'll plan out the other half of the week okay. or something. We just pick ideas. And now we just basically eat the same, like five to 10 things. <laughs> anyway, we just kind of rotate through them. And we also have our one, at least one night out where we always get Chipotle. That's that's our oh, nice. one night out nice. that we always Ours have to pizza. do. Oh yeah. Pizza is always great. We too. order pizza once a week or make it at home. Cause that is a super fun one to get your kids involved is to make pizza at home. Cause we have done that before. Home, it's so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. We have done that before. And we put, let our son like put the sauce and the cheese on there and he loved it. So need to do more of that. But what, there was one thing that you said, and I was like, Whoa, that, that kind of that, that caught me for a second where you said, where did the expectation come from? So the mm -hmm. expectation that you feel like you need to cook every night and that I was trying to think about it. And I don't know, I, I don't have right. an answer. I'm, it's kind of like who said sitting on the couch, eating dinner in front of the TV was a bad overeating is a bad thing, right? I don't even like the words bad thing. Overeating is something we should try to, I everything in moderation. That's my rule. Um, but if, the, if, if sitting on the couch and eating dinner and watching TV means that my kids will come watch a show with me, fine. We'll sit in front of the TV and we'll eat dinner. I'm totally okay with that. So I think it really comes down to 
finding what works for you and your family and what creates that connection. We're a huge TV and movie family. So that works for us. That, that is like, we quote movies all the time. So that is a connection for us, right? So what I really try to do is work with every person to find out what works for you. What's your family secret sauce? That's the thing, not what, and don't get me wrong, I follow all the food bloggers. I think people that provide meal plans are amazing. None of that works for me because if I buy a meal plan, I'm not gonna cook all those meals every week. If I, and I'm only, my family's are gonna like half of them. So that doesn't work for me. I love food bloggers. I love to cook. Like I can just like read those like a book, but for somebody who's overwhelmed by cooking and doesn't like to cook, that's a lot to get through before you get to the recipe and you're still like, okay, I got here. I don't know what half these words mean and I don't know what to do with this, right? Mm -hmm. So I really, I come back to, it's really finding out about your life, your family and finding out what secret sauce works for you. Is that three times a week? Is that one time a week? Is it, these are the recipes I keep on rotation and to keep it interesting, I'll switch out one ingredient every now and then, could be. Could be. Yeah, I, I love your little, um, your trick with your grilled cheese, just adding like bacon in there and it's new dish. Yeah, new dish. <laughs> Brilliant. You're like, what is that? It's bacon. I mean, right. what isn't better with bacon? True. Bacon and you add bacon and cheese to anything and it's automatically yeah. a million times better. Now you throw in a sliced apple and then I, what I really love to do in this, I mean, and here's my thing. My thing is simple food that looks and tastes fancy, to be honest. Ooh. Like that's, that's my jam. That's how I like to twist it up. So um, but take pecans and just whether chop them, food process them with a little bit of salt, a little bit of cayenne, and you spread that on the inside of that grilled cheese, you've just taken it to a whole new level. Wait, take what? Con? Pecans. Oh, pecans. I grind I said pecans, salt, and cayenne pepper, just a little, because I don't like a lot of spice. I'm a wimp. Um, and spread that like you would uh, a mayo inside the grilled cheese. And you've just taken it to a whole new level. So again, it's just simple tweaks to foods they already love that can help you expand their palate. And, and that's really where you start expanding your culinary creativity. Cause I might tell you pecans and you might be like, mm, I don't like pecans. Okay. Do almonds. Oh, great. So interesting. I've never thought of cooking this way before. I've always dreaded it. Right. But that's what, and then all of a sudden you've got a new flavor that you tried and everybody's talking about it at the table. It creates more conversation and more fellowship because people want to know your family wants to know what you put in here. That's different. Now you have a whole new conversation that is centered around something positive and fun. Mm -hmm. Now I don't, I can't remember if you mentioned this or not, but I know that um, this is what you help people do now, but have you been doing this with your family since your kids were born? Or is this something that in the past couple of years, you've kind of made the transition to focus on more? Um, it's really morphed throughout the years. Um, I didn't get my kids started in the kitchen early enough, but I have to say that my experience growing up. So in terms of, let's say the picky eater that I was versus what I wanted my kids to be, I knew that I wanted them to have a better relationship with food than I did. So I started trying to incorporate vegetables and all those other things at a very young age, but didn't quite get them in the kitchen early enough. I was still in the, oh my gosh, I have to do it all phase of all hours of the day. And let me just run myself ragged from 5 a.m. till 10 p.m. Um, and then as I just got more comfortable cooking and I've always been a recipe follower, I am not a recipe creator 
cookbook writer of any sorts. Like I follow a recipe and then I see things I want to tweak about it. And so that's kind of been my cooking journey. And as I've done that, and my, my son particularly likes to cook and get involved in the kitchen, um, but letting them have some creativity in that and, and to try, try some things. So it's really been, um, it's, it's, it's been a journey, honestly. Um, yeah. But, you know, I said for four years, um, I've been doing Pampered Chef. So I would say in the last four years, there's been a lot more of me finding even my own comfort in mixing up recipes, right? It didn't start off that way. Um, and so I really found that I had a knack for, oh, let's switch out apples for pears or let's add some bacon to that grilled cheese. When I would say 10 years ago, I would have been scouring for the right recipe and I would execute it exactly as it was laid out, right? I followed it. And then the next time I'd been like, oh, here's what I can change about it. Now I'm like, oh, I don't have that ingredient, but I know I can flip this out because I do okay. have this one. Interesting. Okay. I feel like there's hope for me. Maybe there's always, <laughs> always hope. But, but again, I want you to think about maybe there's hope for me and I'm going to come back to that's mindset. Oh, absolutely. It absolutely right? is. I don't know if I'm so as entrepreneurs, we talk about shifting mindset and setting boundaries, but we still, I find, we still find ourselves having to deal with that same demon over and over again, right? Just in different facets of our life. Absolutely. And this is one of them people have a tendency to forget about because it, it's, it, it's almost become an afterthought. I was talking about the lost art. It, that mealtime has become kind of an, an afterthought, right? Mm -hmm. It's something we have to do. Versus if you can take the stress out of actually doing the cooking, when you sit down to have that meal, you're in a different mindset than you were, right? So there's just so much, so much around that. There's hope for everyone. Anyone can do it. For everyone. sure. I'm all about having a meal with anybody who cooks for me. I will have a meal with right? anybody who wants to cook. <laughs> you know what? And maybe that's your secret sauce. Like I had somebody I was talking to say, no, like it's really on my vision board to hire a chef. And I'm like, good for you. Do that. Me too. 100% me too. If that that's is, what works that is my for goal. you, do that. Like it is possible for everyone, but I recognize that not everyone is going to fall in love with cooking. Like I have not everyone is ever going to really enjoy cooking to the extent that I do, but maybe they can approach it with less dread so that that experience with their family. Um, so they create, you know, my son's getting ready to leave for college and I want him to move out of the house knowing that he always has a place to come back to and that he always has somebody he can talk to. Um, and to me, mealtime is just such a strong part of that. Mm -hmm, absolutely. So do you do any like family set family meal days? Like I know a lot of people do like family dinners on Sunday or something like that, or is no. it just kind of all over the place right now? No, I, um, I do a planning. So part of my weekly, or you said a week in the life or day in the life is I have a planning with planning meeting with myself every Sunday. Um, and that's when I do my meal plan and plan up, you know, everything for the week. And so, um, that's when I decide like, okay, here are the nights it looks like I can cook. And here's a night when it looks like everybody might be home. So this is the night. Yeah. Or, and yeah. I don't even sit down. I found that saying this is family night didn't work. What I do find is, oh, Logan's really going to like this particular um, meal that I'm making. 
So I'm going to let him know what the menu is. And so it's kind of, you know, reverse psychology, right? Because now all of a sudden he's like, oh, I'm not working on Wednesday. I'm like, okay, so we'll do, we'll do your grilled cheese on Wednesday then. Okay. Sounds great. Right. So it's it, kind of yeah. working around everybody's schedules in a way. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And sort of backing into, oh, you do want to have dinner with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this, this has been so great. I know it's been absolutely helpful for me because oh, I'm so as glad. you know, yeah. And I know I'm there are, I could sit here and talk about this all day long. For sure. Yeah. And there's a lot of other people who are in the exact same scenario with me. A lot of people who listen to this, they have young kids too, and who just think it's impossible to do anything other than like make boxed mac- macaroni and cheese, which maybe sometimes you do that one night and yeah. it's fine. I mean, ramen <laughs> still lives in my house. Not going yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we actually, now that you mentioned that we found this delicious recipe for like a, it's an, I don't want to say like an Asian ramen. I don't know, mm-hmm. but it has, um, like soy sauce in there. Oh, it takes ramen to the next level. It's delicious. Nice. It's delicious. Do you know but, um, in yeah. on Amazon, they have these ramen bowls, like you, um, get served at the restaurant and they have the holes for the chopsticks through them. And I don't know, there's something about serving ramen in that bowl that makes it feel extra special. So I bought the bowls. And I still use packaged ramen, but there's just something fun. And then add your poached, your egg or whatever it is you want to add to your fancy ramen and stick your chopsticks in there. And all of a sudden mealtime feels like something different. Oh, that's a good idea too. Yeah. Just kind of changing the atmosphere or the utensils that you're using. So smart. So smart. Well, I love that. So thank you again for being here. Thank you for sharing your genius with us and just sharing your story too. So where is the best place for everybody to connect with you if they want to learn more or get those um, um, meal ideas that you mentioned? Yeah, I'm going to say Instagram and I'm easy. It's Trisha's Bites of Life easy. on Instagram. Yeah. Perfect. So find me there, follow me, um, send me a message. Um, if you want these, I've got um, a collection of like five super easy recipes for weeknight cooking um, that I'm you know, totally happy to share because I don't know if I can just get you to have one more meal with your family and spark a conversation. I win. You win. We all win. Yes, absolutely. I completely agree. So thank you again. And we're going to put the link to that in the show notes too, so people can easily find it. So thank you again for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Behind Their Business podcast with me, Steph Blake of the Blake Collective, which is a female-led company focused on helping online entrepreneurs start and scale their own businesses. If you or someone you know would make a great guest for the show, we would love to interview you. Visit our website at behindtheirbusiness.com to submit a short application and learn more about the show and how you can support our mission. If you enjoyed the show, we would love for you to share it with a friend or a loved one too. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you again for listening to the Behind Their Business podcast.